Hello and welcome back to this edition of Devils in the Details presented by WSU Sports. And this is episode four. I'll be your host for this week, Jonathan Height. And joined alongside me is Louis Pasquale and John McCooch for this loaded edition of Devils in the Details. It's going to be our season preview, talking about all things New Jersey Devils for this upcoming season. So, Louis, we'll start with you. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Happy to be back on this show with John Squared here right in front of me, ready to talk about some Devils hockey. We are just one day away at the time of recording from opening night. I am beyond excited. Let's get into it. Louis, I have the exact same feeling as you. I mean, opening day, opening night is just around the corner. And by the time this goes up, probably going to already happen. But this is going to be a great episode, as always, of Devils in the Details. This should be a great season for the New Jersey Devils. And that it should be. And guys, we're going to kick this episode off before we even talk about the entire season preview. Obviously, the season will start this Thursday, October 13th in Philadelphia against Philadelphia Flyers. And the home opener will be this upcoming Saturday against the Detroit Red Wings. But before we even talk about any of that, a very special announcement just happened earlier today as of Wednesday that, you know, longtime Devils captain Andy Green signed a contract to end his career as a Devil, and he'll be honored this Saturday at the Detroit game. You know, obviously, he played many years for the Devils, I believe 14, if I'm not wrong. Um, he's, he had a great career with the Devils, you know, many highs, many lows, but overall, just a guy that I know you guys grew up watching. So, Louie, let me start with you. What was your reaction when you heard about all this, and what kind of memories do you have of Andy Green as a Devils fan? Well, when I first heard it, I was kind of shocked. I mean, he's been in the NHL for so long. I was not expecting a notification saying that he is going to retire. Um, thankfully, like you said, he signed a one-day contract to come back with the Devils and retire as a New Jersey Devil, his home for the greater part of his career. Um, he was a captain, such a uh, pivotal player for this team for so, so long. I remember growing up when I first got into hockey, he was one of the players I idolized because he was really, really good. He was always a mainstay as uh, part of the Devils defense back then I um, mean even today I mean even he, he you know he ended his career in well technically as the Devils but in his career playing wise with the Islanders he still was chugging along still was doing well for them so it was cool to see and memories I have of him are just you know um he was never really a showy guy you know never really you know had crazy moves of the puck offensively but he was always in position defensively um he really prided himself on making tough gritty plays so I I, I loved him loved to watch him for the entire time and it, was, it was a little sad to see him go just because I, I grew up on Andy Green but um, he retired as a devil, so I'm very happy at that. A hundred percent. I mean, he's a guy that was just such a staple of those devils, even after the devils won all those cups. I mean, he was one of those guys that you just looked to and said, okay, they, we have our captain, right? Because the devils were looking for that identity, and Andy Green was that identity. Andy Green is a, is a, is a lunch pail guy. Um, he'll always show up. He's a hard hitter as well, um, but he just, he just embodies being a devil. And he's going to be missed from just the league in general. Uh, but 39, he played a very long career, about as long as you could really ask for in this league, especially as a hard-hanging defenseman. So, Andy Green, thank you so much for being a New Jersey Devil, obviously. Uh, best of luck in retirement. And, I mean, maybe maybe we can talk about Jersey retirement as well, see if that could be a thing for the Devils. Add another number up in those rafters at the Prudential Center. Um, but time will tell. Great, It's going to be great to see him get honored on Saturday. Yeah, there's definitely an argument that he could have his jersey up there with the greats you know, at the Prudential Center. And, you know, looking at his all-time stats, you know, 16 total years. And like you mentioned, Louis, he did end with the Islanders before this one-day contract. 1,057 games, 264 points, and 277 penalty minutes. I mean, that's a long career. Anytime you hit over 1,000 games, um, I think it's just an incredible feat, an incredible accomplishment, and definitely should be proud of himself. And he'll, you know, r rightfully be honored this Saturday at the Detroit game. 
So now let's turn to the Devils now, the current Devils team. Um, let's start with the preseason before we talk about the regular season. I just want you guys to give a couple of takeaways from the overall slate that they had. I'll read through the games again. They started off a 2-1 to victory over Montreal. They uh, That was on the road. So they came back to Prudential Center and defeated the Islanders 4-1. to Then they defeated the Rangers at MSG 5-2. to Then lost to the Rangers at Prudential 2-1. to Shut out the Bruins 1-0. Lost to the Islanders 5-2 and ended the preseason in Boston with a 5-3 victory. So I know obviously the record doesn't mean anything, but it's more about the the play of the team. We saw a lot of different line combinations. So, John, we'll start with you. What were your overall takeaways from the 22-23 Devils preseason? Right. I thought the Devils got to test a lot of things out this preseason. It was also great to see that result in wins. So they run into a lot of teams that are playing their prospect lineups. Yes. Is that why they got a lot of their wins? Probably. But at the same time, the Devils look pretty good. They're looking for their identity offensively, and they really struggled in that Bruins game. Me and John went to that one. Um, they just could not really find any way to get get the puck just anywhere um, in the back of the net. They had that one great goal, but just so close so far. And then five goals against the Bruins on the road. You, you score two against the Islanders. That was a tough game against uh, New York over there. Um, being able to beat the Rangers 5-2, Always a great time, whether it's preseason, whether it's regular season. Beating the Rangers is always fun for the Devils. Um, but having those wins, I, I know they're meaningless, right? But having that momentum and having that morale boost of being able to come home, being able to win, having young guys like Holtz come into the lineup, having young guys like like Hughes play well as well, um, this Devils team was able to string wins together. And all of that without – Nico Heischer, for the most part, who we'll see his status uh, come opening night, probably not going to play opening night, but we'll see about Saturday um, against Detroit for the home opener. That's a whole other story. But this team looked pretty solid for what the Devils are without one of their better players. So I think they experimented a lot. Some of them went wrong. A good amount of them went wrong. But what went right went right. And I think that they're ready for the regular season. And for me, what stuck out was the team leaders in various categories. So looking here, the leading scorer of all people, Thomas Tatar with four. And then also, um, he was a leading scorer. The leading points leader was Dougie Hamilton with five. So Dougie is showing that, again, he has not fallen off any bit since last year. We know how good of a defenseman he is. Now we know he can get out of position sometimes, which is a bit of a problem if there's any odd man rushes, two-on-ones potentially. But nevertheless, uh, his offensive production, I would absolutely think, makes up for that. And he has the freedom to roam the ice and go wherever he wants to go. So I think we'll, we'll continue to see Dougie be an absolute force to be reckoned with uh, this upcoming season. Then we look at the assist leaders. There's three points there, or three players, excuse me, tied for assists with three. That's uh, Dougie. John Reno and Fabian Zutterlin, who might not be even be on the team come uh, the regular season. But nonetheless, we saw players like him producing in the preseason, which is obviously good to see, meaning the team has some depth. And John Reno loves to see his offensive number. He's not really known for being too offensive of a defenseman. But when you think about the trade that the, uh, the, the Devils made with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ty Smith is on an AHL team. He is no longer in the a uh, NHL. He's back down in the AHL, meaning the Devils won the trade. John Reno, I think, could be a really good piece, uh, an acquisition for the, the Devils team. Uh, it's going to help with defense. And if he can you know, produce any bit offensively, it's going to be like go so far for this Devils team. So that's what stood out to me was those kind of unlikely team leaders. And also Thomas Tatar, I know he hasn't really played up to uh, his standard, uh, at least what Devils fans were hoping that he would do. So now hopefully we can see a little bit of a turnaround from him, and he'll play just a little bit better, which can then help the team as a whole. You know, that, that that's really true. And Johnny remembers we were in the postgame locker room for Tatar after that Boston game where he was the only guy to score 
and people kept saying like like were you happy with last season and he outright said like no like he you know he was down on himself he's able to come back this season he's expecting himself to have a much better season which would be huge for the devils um and you guys talked about just so many different pieces to this team um you talk about fabian zetterlin that was the thing that jumped out i thought he had a very good preseason um i'm gonna get to the lines in a sec that they had in um that they had in practice this morning leading into tomorrow potentially and he was an extra skater but i think he made the team just a matter of when he's going to get slotted into the lineup potentially. Um, big note we have to mention is Simon Nemec, uh, Nemitz, excuse me. Yesterday he had made the team or a couple days ago he made the team, but then got sent down to Utica today, um, in, in replacement of Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball is now up to the, the main roster. Um, I think the reason why that was even a, a whole situation was because they were something, they were trying to figure out something with the cap space using the LTIR spot with, with Jonathan Bernier. They had to keep Nemitz up in order to bring Ball up. It was a whole thing. Well, anyway, Simon Nemitz is in the AHL. Kevin Ball's in the NHL roster. So I, we might see Simon Nemitz later in the season. That could be a whole other discussion. Um, but they definitely don't want to rush his development. He didn't have a great preseason. I thought he showed flashes. But, again, he's a young defenseman. He never played on North American ice. So that's completely fine. You know, let him develop in the AHL. So now my next question will pertain to your season's breakout player. Um, but I'm going to read through the practice lines they had as of this morning. Again, this is Wednesday, October 12th. Um, so we'll go from this roster or from this lineup. So as of this one, you have Yegor Sharangovich, Nico Heischer, and Jesper Brett as line one. Andre Plot, Jack Hughes, and Dawson Mercer line two. Thomas Tatar, Eric Howell, and Alexander Holtz line three. And then line four, Miles Wood, Michael McLeod, Nathan Bastian. And obviously, Boquist and Zetterlin are the extras. And on defense, Jonas Siegendaler and Dougie Hamilton as the first pairing. Ryan Graves and Damon Severson in the second. Uh, Brennan Smith, John Marino as the third. Kevin Ball is the extra skater. And then the goaltending duo, which Lindy Ruff already said today. He doesn't know who it's going to be yet. He hasn't announced a starter at Blackwood and Vanacek. So, Louis, we'll start with you. You hear all these names, some from last year, some new, some new guys in the lineup as well. Who are, you know, even if it's not just one, a couple of guys from this list that you are very anxious to see tomorrow and Saturday and for the rest of the season? Well, now that you told me that John Reno is going to be on the third defensive pairing, I think I'm going to stick with John Reno and pick him to be my breakout player. I talked about him a little bit in the last segment, but I didn't realize that he was on the third defensive pairing. So what that means, he's basically there for defense, right? He's there for physicality, there for defense. Any offensive production gotten from that third pairing, I think, could go the distance. That could be the difference between, you know, a 2-1 loss or a 3-2 win. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that uh, John Reno, I'll be looking for him to have a big year this year. Um, and hopefully see him move up a little bit. Maybe get onto that second pairing if, if everything goes well. Or maybe, you know, God forbid there are any injuries, then, then he would be viable or not viable, but he, he would be uh, able to go up and be on the second pairing, uh, if need be. Um, I'm really excited. He's a young player. Um, I, he's only one or two years older than Ty Smith. So the Devils didn't really acquire a veteran. They still acquired a young up and coming player in John Reno. So I'm very excited to see what he has this year. I mean, for me, it's the guy that we've been talking about for the last however many episodes that we've had. It's Alexander Holtz, okay? And knowing that he's on the third line as well is kind of the same thing that Louis is talking about. This is a young guy that gets to play on that third line, has a lot of room to grow, and is not going to have the pressure of playing on a first line, playing on a second line, or playing on the third line. And that's going to allow him to kind of be a bit more creative. Yes, you want to see him with Hughes. Yes, you want to see him with Pilat, the H2L line, the dream team, of course, whatever you want to call it. But... 
seeing him as such a young player who's just making this NHL roster, who's going to play some games and is probably going to be on the team the rest of the season, like we said he should be, and now he will be. Um, he's a guy that, again, we mentioned how quick he is. We mentioned how much of a sniper shot he has. But his playmaking was seen a lot in this preseason. And the, the ability that he has to be such a versatile and dynamic player, the way that he shoots, is a great combination for the Devils and a great asset. He's a guy that I also think can move up the line. I also agree, Louis. I think Marino is a guy that like, I was a little surprised he was on that third line, but then you look at who, we, who the Devils have, it makes a lot of sense. But Marino and Holtz, I think those are two guys that you can see moving up lines a little bit. Also on the goalie situation, I think in 10 games or 15 games, Vanacek will end up proving that he is the guy, especially based on what we've seen from preseason, because Blackwood is Blackwood, but we know who Blackwood is, right? Vanacek is still working on, you know, working with these Devils defenders. It would make sense if he doesn't play as much as his first year in the, in, as a Devil. But for Blackwood, he's been here a while. He knows these people. He knows these defenders. But Vanacek still it will take some time for that communication to really work out. Um, but well, what I see is Holtz and Marino moving up to the second line at some point, and I see Vanacek being the starter uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and John, I'm going to start with Holtz. I don't understand why they broke up the H2O line for preseason. That line was so great. And putting Holtz on the has, third. And it's such a good name. The name was awesome. Oh, I H2O? know. Come on now. Right? Like, okay, like the, my, my thought process, which I think a lot of Devils fans, too, have I've seen complain about it on Twitter, is Alexander Holtz needs other dynamic players around him for him to unlock his full potential. Having him with Jack Hughes was a perfect solution to that, just because you mentioned he's a sniper. We saw his playmaking get better as the preseason went along. I mean, that's such an underrated part of his game. Putting him with Thomas Tatar and Eric Howlett, good two-way guys, I don't think he's going to be able to unlock his full potential on a line like that. Having him with, with Jack Hughes and Andre Pilat, I think, was perfect for him. Don't be surprised within the first three games of the season if they go back to that. Again, these lines that I'm reading right now aren't definite, and maybe – by some chance tomorrow morning, but uh, the day of opening day, the the morning of opening day, excuse me, they're going to have him to have that line back together. So I think Alexander Holtz should not be in the bottom six. Otherwise, I just see his development getting just hampered a little bit. Um, but Louis, you brought up uh, John Marino. Yeah, he's a guy. When you look at the depth chart, I mean, Jonas Siegenthal and Dougie Hamilton. I guess that is the surefire first pairing. Dougie, like you mentioned, is probably gonna have a really good bounce back year. He's hurt a lot of last year, so he'll be himself this year. Great shutdown demon, Jonas Siegenthaler. Then Ryan Graves and Damon Severson. You know, there's been constant talk of Damon Severson eventually, potentially being moved. Um, maybe if that ever happened this season or the end of, or the end of this season and the next off season, that could be a spot for John Marino to slot up in. Maybe someday Simon Nemitz or Luke Hughes will take that spot too in a, in a year or two as well. And he's a guy that pairing between him and, and Brendan Smith on the third one, they're going to be a shutdown pair is what it seems like. Not a ton of offense there. And I like the point you mentioned, Louie, that it could, um, that could be the difference in a one goal game. You, you put a shutdown pair out like that, um, that that could lead to some, some great, end of the games for, for the Devils. And we're talking about the goalie duo. I think this is Vitek Vanacek's job to lose as of right now. I think he had a, a better preseason than Blackwood did. He looked confident. I know there was a couple of games he let in a goal early, but then he was shut down the rest of the way. Um, I, I would give him the start uh, against Philly Thursday night. And then because maybe Blackwood Saturday, I know they're going to see this probably a committee early on. So we'll see if that'll hold up for the entire season. But now let's shift towards now the entire regular season. I know the three of us, everyone here at uh, WSU Sports, we've combed through the schedule. We're excited to be at Prudential Center for 40 of these games this year, and obviously be watching these away games at home. 
So a ton of big narrative matchups, I think, for this season. So I just want to hear from you guys. When you first looked at the whole schedule starting Thursday night, what were some of the matchups that you had circled and that the Devils should have circled on their calendars? I had a really tough stretch. I'm going to go with a stretch here, not just maybe a specific matchup. Obviously, you circle the Rangers every year. You circle the Flyers every year. But a real test for this team. I mean, if we're going to talk about playoffs um, at some point, you've got to get through some really tough stretches. But there's one stretch in mid to early March. Carolina, Tampa, Tampa, Florida, Tampa. That is a stretch right there. That is, it's, it's a gauntlet. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ways you can put it. I'm just going to say it's a gauntlet. Um, it, but if the Devils are in a maybe playoff position, right, at that point in the year, I, I, we don't know where they're going to be. Um, but this team thinks that they're in win now mode. So who knows where they'll be standing wise. I know a lot of, a lot of Devils fans are still in tank mode, still are hoping for the tank. And, you know, my opinion is mine. Um, but if the Devils are in a position where they can have a shot, they are going to have to win. I mean, again, Carolina, Tampa three times, and then the Panthers, they'll have to win three out of five if they want a shot at making the postseason. So I think stretches like that are going to be moments for this this Devils squad where they really test how good they are. Can they fight through adversity? Can they take down teams like Tampa consistently? Can they hang with them? Especially if you're talking about postseason, you're going to have to play this team in a seven-game series probably. Um, also, Florida. I think playing Florida is really important because that's another big test. But, I mean, in the NHL, you play just about everybody, right? So that stretch where you play some of the best teams in your division, in your conference at that moment. I mean, you're also coming off a road trip uh, all the way to Montreal, and then you play those teams. So it's going to be tough. Um, the Devils have a lot of tough stretches. I think early in the season they have a lot easier of a schedule than later in the season, which may give some Devils fans a false hope maybe. Uh, but we'll talk about that later, obviously. So that stretch for me is where the Devils are really going to find out who the Devils are. You bring up a good point, John, but I think I'm going to look a little bit earlier in the season. They play the Flyers game one on opening night, like we talked about. It's a divisional game. It sets the tone for the rest of the season. I mean, it's away, too, so they're not playing in front of a home crowd. It's going to be not an easy game. It's always tough to go in there and play the Flyers. But I'm going to pick this one for my mashup to watch. Last year, it was a crazy game. I was actually at it uh, at, at the the. Prudential Center with some of my friends, and that was the game where Jack Hughes threw a stick into the stands after he won it via an overtime goal. So that was awesome to see. Um, and it kind of did set the tone, at least for a little bit. And then, of course, the devil seemed to slowly decline as the season dragged on. But I think grabbing a few wins early, and even just more than just game one, grabbing a few wins in the early beginning stages of the season is absolutely key if, for a hockey team that's on the fringe. You know, with you said that the fans are unsure of their expectations for this team. If we are going to consider this devil's team like a fringe playoff team or maybe like right in the middle of the pack, right? Uh, starting early, starting hot, getting into the game um, early in the season is going to be really, really key. And I think they could all start with game one against the Flyers this Thursday. Yeah, I'll start with that game where you said, Louie. I mean, if this is a team that wants to make the postseason this year, and I know that game will probably be determined if Nico Heischer is going to play, but that's a game you have to win if you're the Devils. If you want to be serious about making a playoff spot this year, the Flyers, we know what they're probably going to be this season. I know head coach John Tortorella's first year at the helm, but Sean Couturier's out. I mean, there's there's so many injuries on that team. They sent down a couple of one or two of their good prospects, like 
that's a very winnable game for the Devils, and that will be exciting, like you said, from last year. And, John, I was trying to find another stretch of the season, like you mentioned, like one like that where they're going to have to rattle off wins against these top teams if they want to make a playoff spot. And I kind of found one from December 17th to January 1st. They play Florida, Carolina, Florida again, Boston twice, Pittsburgh, and then Carolina on January 1st. Now, if Boston had Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand definitely playing in those games, that makes it even harder. But even without them, that is a brutal stretch of games. And those are games that are going to add up if they want to, again, make a playoff spot just because they're going to have to have such a good point total. Um, And talking about Boston, I forgot to mention, you were talking about Louis before the John Marino for Ty Smith trade. We're already looking at the Eric Howard to Pavel Zaka trade, how Pavel Zaka is playing on a line with David Pasternak and David and uh and um David Krejci already. It's amazing how well he's played there. So I mean the Devils just could never unlock Pavel Zaka for some reason. Um and Eric Howell has looked pretty good, but I just thought it was funny that that could be the Pavel Zaka revenge games as well. Um right at the end of December. But for me, there's a couple. The big one early is December 30th, the day before, or not December, um, October 30th, the day before Halloween. That's when Johnny Goodrill plays his first game as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets um, at Prudential. That game is going to be hostile. It's going to be fun. The Devils are going to want to beat the bricks off the Blue Jackets. You know, the whole offseason, he was almost a devil. So I think that game, for narrative purposes, will, will be just off the charts. And by the end of the season, I mean, there's so many, you know, they obviously play every single, every single team. Um, anytime they play the Rangers, I think the matchups against Pittsburgh and Washington are more important this year than ever because those are two teams, like we said, maybe one of them will be the ones that bounce out of the postseason. The Devils could take that spot. Um, I still think they get matched up against the Rangers and Carolina. It's going to be much tougher, but those I think are more winnable games. You know, Washington, the Islanders as well, a team that's, you know, slowly declining. So a ton of matchups to look forward to. So which now leads me into it, our favorite part of the show. Um, I want you guys to give your bold predictions for this season. And I said before we got on the show, you got to temper your expectations a little bit. Don't say they're going to win four cups the next four years. Like, you know, we're being bold but realistic somewhat at the same time. So, Louis, we'll start with you. Give, give me some some hot takes. Okay, instead of four cups and four, can I say three cups in three years? Is that acceptable? No. Ah, darn. All right, well, for a slightly more realistic yet slightly not realistic expectation, I think if Jack Hughes stays healthy, he could be in the running to win a Hart Trophy. We're talking about a guy who averaged more than one point per game last year, and he was injured for so many games, it seemed like. But when he was on the ice, he's absolutely electric. Now, I know turnovers are a problem. Yes, sometimes he either tries to do too much or try to make a pass that isn't quite there and will turn over the puck, but that's kind of like the territory of the style and way in which Jack plays. So Jack Hughes, um, as, as we know, is very skillful, very talented, and honestly, uh, if you're Lindy Ruff, I would give Jack Hughes free reign. He he can make turnovers because you know at the end of the day he's going to make a good play or two that can really change the whole complexion of a game. So that's just his style of play, and I think that it's just something that the Devils are going to have to deal with and maybe try to hone in a little bit to try to minimize that. But if it happens, it happens. We know Jack Hughes is a great player, and so I think if he stays healthy and keeps playing the way he does, then he, he really could be a consideration for a Hart Trophy, and I would be so happy to see that uh, see him get his uh, honored recognition because some people don't really think he's earned his big contract yet, and me and I'm sure you guys as well do think that he's earned the contract because just watch him play. I mean, he passes the eye test, throws stats out the window. The dude's a good hockey player. And then you bring stats back into it, and it's like, wow, he also can produce on the stat sheet as well. So I think he's very deserving, and I would be really excited to see him be in contention for a Hart Trophy come the end of the year. I, I think that that's definitely possible, Louie. I'm going to go something a bit a bit closer 
uh, a bit closer to the present. I'm going to go the Devils go 5-0 and to start the season, right? They play the Flyers on the road. I think that's a very winnable game because we know who the Flyers are. Then you get at home, home opener against Detroit. You played Anaheim right after that. And then you go on the road to New York. I think that's a pretty tough game. And the Sharks are the Sharks. You play them at home. I think that's five games to start out your season. That is a very winnable stretch. And I think they very well, maybe they don't win every game, but I, I think they, they can at least take all those teams to overtime, right? So I don't think that they lose a game flat out. I think that they win all five of those games. I think they'll end up losing to Washington. But if they can get past that Washington game, they can also beat Detroit again. So I think they go 5-0 and and lose to the Capitals. But this is a team that can start out the season 7-0 and if they really get hot, especially if Heischer is healthy, um, maybe not just in the Flyers game. But if he's healthy for Detroit and onward, I think he could be a 90-point scorer this season if all things go right. Um, but I think the Devils can start the season 5-0. and And to me, what I see happening with this team, I see them being a very, very good team to start out the year because of their schedule. And then they face the gauntlet and they struggle. And that's what's going to cause them to miss the playoffs to me. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I think they'll get closer. Um, but I think the season, to start out, they will be 5-0. and Those are some great takes by both of you guys. I mean... I'm going to give three, and two of them are kind of similar to yours. I'll start with you, Louie. Um, I do think Jack Hughes will win a heart at some point in his career. I don't think it's this year. I do think he will crack, I'll say, 90 points. I think that's a good threshold for him this year, you know, getting to a above-point-per-game player, showing he's not even a star. He could be a superstar. So I'll say he cracks 90 points. Um, one, well, my, my big one for this year is if Alexander Holt is in the top six, could be a dark horse Calder vote, uh, Calder winner, excuse me. I mean, we know how loaded this rookie class is going to be with Owen Power, Beniers, all these guys are going to be playing big roles on their teams. And if Alexander Holtz is playing on the first, second line with Jack Hughes, I don't see why he, he, he can't be a finalist um, if he plays like he did in the preseason. So that'll be that. And my, my last one, which I want to say is the next over the next two seasons, um, I think that Andrew Burnett, the associate head coach as of right now, he's running the power play. He might be the head coach of the Devils within two to three years. I still think that's not even a bold take. I mean, we know that Lindy Roth, this is a big season for him. And Andrew Burnett, you know, was a coach of the year finalist last year. So this is a guy I think that eventually could take over the job, depending on how well the team plays this year. I mean, the Devils make the playoffs this year. It starts a whole new argument with Lindy Ruff. Like maybe they'll, they'll extend him and keep him even longer, which would be really interesting to see. Um, but again, th- he needs the team to win games this year, which, you know, obviously the, the collective vision right now seems like they are in a sort of win now mode, kind of, even though it might not seem like it by bringing in a guy like Palat, Brendan Smith, Eric Halla. So we'll wait and see. My last question to you guys, I know John already kind of answered it, but give me your final standings predictions. I'm going to try to remember it or write it down and, you know, in 2023 at the end of the season, see how close we were. Um, Louie, let's start with you. Give me like a, a points estimate and where do you think they finish and do you think if they, they make the playoffs or not next year? Well, I think they can finish fourth or fifth in the Metro. I think that is a reasonable uh, place for this Devils team to be. I think they're going to be in the hunt uh, come playoff time. I don't know if they're going to make a playoffs, but I think it's going to be very close. It's going to come down to, you know, a few weeks, like the last few weeks of the season where they're vying for as many points as they can possibly get. Point totals are hard. I'm not going to do a point total right now. Uh, maybe I'll get back to you on that, John. But um, I, I think I'm going to go fourth or fifth in the Metro, and if they don't make the playoffs, being very close to it. 
Yeah, I think I think I gave mine. I, I know my point kind of benchmark, my over under for this Devils team, seventy five points. That that's kind of where I had them at. Um an improvement from last season, but not enough to get them into the postseason. So I see them being above the Flyers, and I see them being above the Islanders, and to me, that's it. Um so that puts them at what, sixth, I believe, in the Metropolitan Division. And for the Devils, I mean, that's a huge improvement, right? To, to just get better, move the spot year over year. Because it, it, I think it doesn't really have to do with the talent of the Devils team. Obviously, they can always improve. But you have the Rangers, you have the Hurricanes, Columbus got better. Um, the Penguins and Capitals are also still the Penguins and the Capitals. And I just don't see the Devils finishing higher, especially considering some of the stretches that this team has to go through. Um, and, and when you play three games against Tampa, it's always going to be tough. Um so, yeah, six in the Metro. I don't see them finishing any higher than that. I can see them maybe finishing lower depending on how the Islanders play. But 75 is my point total. I, th- I think I'm going to stick with that uh, for this New Jersey Devils team. It's an improvement. It's better than what they were last year. And this is going to be a slow process considering how young this team is. Um, having this squad in win-now mode with all these young players is interesting. I think it's good to put the pressure on the young players because – there's only one way to learn how to win, and that's winning. So if this Devils team starts winning, then we'll see how these young guys develop in the future. I mean, obviously everyone wants Bedard, but that's a whole different story. The lottery is the lottery, and if fortune favors the brave, the Devils will get Bedard. But I have them going at six with 75 points for the season. Yeah, I mean, the Devils have had great lottery luck over the years. So, I mean, we've talked about it off air, the fact that the Devils somehow were in the mix again They'd probably end up with Bedard just with the luck they have in the lottery, which I'm sure all Devils fans would want him. But for my prediction, because uh, I'm going to go through the Metro, um, and I'm going to give an exact point total just because, like you mentioned, John, I like 75 as a benchmark. I'm going to say 82 points is what they'll finish with this year. I'm going, I'm sticking with 82 because I think it's going to go Rangers and Hurricanes in whatever order, Penguins at three. I think the Blue Jackets are going to have a really good season. They're going to sneak in at four, and the Capitals are just going to miss it. So, which means the Capitals are going to have, you know, a lot of points, but just be just shy. So it'll be the Capitals, then the Devils, Islanders, Flyers. So I think the Devils are right there, like you said, between the five and six spot. Um, it, it's, it's going to be close. They're going to be unfortunately in like a, a purgatory stage where they're, they're not good enough to make the playoffs. They're not bad enough to tank for Bedard or any of those guys next year's draft. But I think steps are going to be, you know, taken forward. I think the goal tank situation is already so much better. Um, assuming, you know, not going with both of those guys stay healthy. Um, but it's going to be a good season, and that will wrap up this edition of Devils in the Details. Big shout-out to John McCooch and Louis Pasquale for their time today. Signing off, I'm Jonathan Height. Make sure you stay tuned for all of our WSU Sports Devils content.